Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 35, The Lord is My Light. Hi! Welcome back to another week. You are always on my mind all week long as I prepare for the next up-and-coming episode. And you're in my prayers, and I am grateful that you have allotted this time for us to spend together talking about our Savior Jesus Christ and learning about His gospel and becoming uplifted and really changed because of it. So for our beloved family, there's more traveling. And it's at this point, after Ishmael dies, that the family begins to travel in an eastward direction, which they will do until they hit the sea. And we don't have much detail here, but if you're left with any questions about this journey, just read verses 1 through 4 in chapter 17 of 1 Nephi. Nephi records that they weighed through much affliction. That word weighed describes the laborious and the vigorous efforts that each family member experienced as they made their way to the promised land. We also learn that the women bore children in the wilderness, which I know is the requirement in order to be able to have families. But this is just one more experience that the women must face and learn how to survive because it is a skill that is going to be needed when they're in the promised land. But Nephi does add a blessing by the Lord that sometimes gets forgotten because we get so hung up on the fact that they were required to eat raw meat, which would have taken some getting used to. But Nephi remarks that despite this requirement, the women were able to give plenty of suck to their children and that the women were beginning to bear their journeyings without murmuring because they were becoming strong like unto the men. And so we see from the men on down to the infant that the Lord is strengthening them, nourishing them. And as each one grows and begins to wrap their mind about what they must accomplish, what they must learn, and really what they must become efficient at, their murmurings lessen. Nephi teaches us that the commandments of God must be fulfilled. And let's think about that for a minute. We have agency and we can choose for ourselves whether or not we obey, but this doesn't negate the fact that the Lord's commandments must be fulfilled. We can choose to not obey and in future episodes, we can talk about what the ramifications of that will be. But for today, it is enough to say that just because we have agency, it doesn't have the power to eradicate God's commandments. However, what verse 3 teaches us is if we, the children of men, keep the commandments, the Lord will nourish us, strengthen us, and provide means whereby we can accomplish the commandments. And this is exactly what he did for Lehi and Nephi's families. And how does he do this, nourish, strengthen, and provide means for us? So let's look at why the family had to eat raw meat. Well, we don't know really the earthly particulars as to sufficiently answer the why, except for that the Lord just didn't allow it. Instead, the Lord said, I will make thy food become sweet, that ye cook it not. And then he goes on to say, 
I will also be your light in the wilderness, and I will prepare the way before you, if it so be that ye shall keep my commandments. Wherefore, inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall be led towards the promised land, and ye shall know that it is by me that ye are led. And after ye have arrived in the promised land, ye shall know that I, the Lord, am God, and that I, the Lord, did deliver you from destruction, yea, that I did bring you out of the land of Jerusalem. This reminds me of that hymn, The Lord is my light, He is my joy and my song. By day and by night, He leads me along. Sometimes, though, is it hard to let the Lord be your light? Letting go and letting God is a beautiful phrase. My soul just wants to be able to do that right now. Let go and let God. But I think sometimes I forget where my spiritual release trigger is. You know that ejection button that actually allows you to let go of all of it and trust it in God's hands. And sometimes I can get stuck and I can have a hard time releasing But trusting in those characteristics that we talked about last week, that God is love. He can't lie. He is merciful, full of grace, abundant in goodness, and slow to anger. And thank goodness, thank goodness he is slow to anger because sometimes I feel like an infant with that death clutch that they have. You know what I mean? Have you ever tried prying something out of those hands when they're in a tight fist? Something as tiny as a strand of hair, can be difficult to get out of a baby's hand. It breaks off as they maintain a tough hold on what they don't know how to let go of. And sometimes that is how I feel with my burdens or my afflictions. And I imagine that this is what the journey to the promised land was like for the family of Lehi. The scriptures say that they sojourned in the wilderness for eight years. The distance didn't require eight years. However, the spiritual path must have. The prophet Alma will later tell his son Helaman that essentially the journey was dependent upon its travelers. Referring to the Liahona, Alma said, And it did work for them according to their faith in God. Therefore, if they had faith to believe that God could cause that those spindles should point the way they should go, behold, it was done. Therefore, they had this miracle and also many other miracles wrought by the power of God day by day. Nevertheless, because those miracles were worked by small means, it did show unto them marvelous works. They were slothful and forgot to exercise their faith and diligence. And then those marvelous works ceased and they did not progress in their journey. Therefore, they tarried in the wilderness, or did not travel a direct course, and were afflicted with hunger and thirst because of their transgressions. Truthfully, my inclination when I read this scripture is, I focus on the word tarry, and I don't got time to tarry. I don't want to make mistakes. I don't desire to take a detour. I want to travel a direct course. I don't want to be held back. I just want to go where and do what I'm supposed to do. The problem, though, when we look at life this way is that, number one, it does bring up a lot of anxiety and shame, which is an indicator 
that this isn't really a godly perspective. And number two, it indicates that there is nothing good that is learned or developed or that we're not even developing something that is beneficial and crucial to us in our journey that may look a little messier than a direct course. And so I have found a thought, and you may try it on and see how you feel about it. But the thought is that everything happens exactly the way it is supposed to happen. That if I tarry, it's because I'm supposed to. There is something that I need to learn and grow from my experience of tarrying. If my course is not a direct course, it's because I have not yet obtained the experience or the tools or the spiritual maturity in order to progress on. Now, wait a minute. That is not to say that I should be content with where I am at or become comfortable with transgressing. But be merciful to myself? Yes. Slow to anger with myself? Yes. Continue to seek his grace? Absolutely. Essentially, it's accepting that there will be times that I will be less diligent in my faith and could be described as being slothful. It's learning to course correct and repent in order to be able to get back on track. And this way of thinking has actually brought me peace that I'm not messing it all up. And it brings me patience that I'm not condemning myself or even overexerting myself beyond my abilities because even faith requires development. And fortunately, we have a loving parent who perfectly knows this and won't move us forward before we're ready. Now, is this an excuse? No. But this is being patient with the process of me developing the faith that I'm required in order to be able to move on. And how do I know this? Because the Lord is my light. He said that to Nephi, and he says that to us. It's his job. It's his business to be our light, to prepare the way before us if we keep his commandments. He promises he'll lead us towards the promised land, and you and I will know that it is by him that we are led. And when it is all over, our trials of our faith, those hard things, or even our mortal life, you and I will know that it is our Lord and our God that to deliver us from destruction. When we're trying our best, keeping the commandments, He will be our light. And it doesn't say that when we keep the commandments perfectly, without need of repentance, without slip-ups, and as perfectly as we think our neighbor is keeping them, then He'll be our light. I think our minds trick us sometimes into thinking that this is what he says. And then that's when that anxiety and that shame start to come up. And when those start to come up, that should be a warning to us that we're attaching to a thought that is not a correct or serving thought. The Lord wants you to be on his covenant path. He wants you exercising faith in him, remembering him and keeping his commandments the best you can with the faith that you have right now at this moment, and he will be your light. And with that, he will prepare a way for you to accomplish the thing that he's commanded you to do. That's God's business. And can you see how you've been maybe getting caught up or overstepping into his business? I know I have. And I know that I'm at a point in my life that I can expand my faith and work on this. 
And let me give you a personal example that actually happened this week that relates to this principle that the Lord is my light and that it is He that prepares the way. And how I began with this in mind and was actually doing quite well and prospering and then I became slothful. So the week started off with Fast Sunday. And once again, I found myself fasting for the same thing that I have fasted for. It feels like a hundred times. And I'm not a good faster normally. I get headaches. My stomach over the years has had some sensitivities and fasting triggers those, which can last a couple of days even. But on Sunday, I resolutely found myself fasting, wanting those blessings that can only come through faith and prayer and fasting, feeling like that my trial that I was asking for help with, that the time was running out, And feeling humility because I knew that it was the Lord's help that I needed. And as the day rolled on, I found myself fasting with purpose and actually not even really minding that I was fasting. And I actually had the thought of, I'm a faster. I got this. And as I sat in sacrament, listening to the testimony of those in my ward congregation, my trial would come to my mind, but I would feel calm, not anxious and fearful. And I actually felt resolve and not despair and doubt. In fact, there was a stillness in me. And in my mind, I recognized that the Lord's tender mercies were working upon me. I wasn't leaping for joy, (laughs) but I was assured that it was going to be okay. So the next day, my husband, who'd been complaining about stomach pains for a few days, called from work, and we decided he needed to go to Instacare. And I knew it was his appendix. He was in denial, but I knew that that was what we were going to experience. So I went about my duties, preparing in the back of my mind what the rest of my day needed to look like, actually canceling plans and doing some laundry and then mentally preparing the logistics of how I was going to be there for him and then how I was going to be there and take care of my children and what everybody needed. And sure enough, to the hospital he went. And then the next few hours were balancing everyone's needs. But you know what? Everything was going smoothly. The Lord was my light. I knew what I needed to get done and he showed me how to do it. A sister-in-law stepped in. My children stepped up. Judd's brothers came to the hospital to give him a blessing, and his sister came to offer support. And everything went well with Judd's surgery. And despite a ruptured appendix, everything was relatively taken care of. And I continued to feel sustained and grateful. So grateful. It could not have worked out more smoothly as far as an emergency goes. And even while Jed and I were awaiting for his surgery, we felt peace and we felt strength. We knew that it was going to make our trial more strenuous, but we didn't feel fear. And we knew eventually we were going to come out on the other side of things, that it was going to be okay. Tuesday, more of the same. Wonderful sisters who minister to me call and help out. A friend in the neighborhood was texting me and checking on me and offering their help. But you know, truly, I really didn't feel like I needed help. I I didn't even know how to use their help because I felt like I was already receiving help. The Lord was my light. And then Wednesday, the tireds set in. And juggling the children became a little more hairy. And it's interesting that it was the the primary Halloween carnival that kind of put me over the edge that night. 
I really just wanted to say, everyone, let's just stay home. Forget, forget, children, that there is a carnival. Let's just stay in our home. But you know, I didn't because I really didn't want that, even though I did. But that's when I started to grumble. All the back and forth of the driving of the children here and there. And I'm trying to say yes more than I'm saying no. And then by Thursday, my back was hurting and I felt irritable. And I started to notice how little thanks I was receiving from my people. And I started noticing that I wasn't slowing down. And I was starting to get a little grouchy about that. And then my mind started thinking about our trial again. And my mind started freaking out. And feeling fearful and I started worrying and I've been practicing so much not to worry because worrying is practicing failure. I don't want to fail. But I, it started thinking, how are you going to do this? How is this all going to work out? Is Heavenly Father hearing my prayers? Is he noticing that I'm reading my scriptures, that I'm trying to keep the commandments? Is he listening? And Friday was more of the same. And the children were on their fall break. And so I'm trying to do activities with the kids because Jed needs rest. But then there's the cleaning of the house and the loading and unloading of the dishwasher and the making of meals and the cleaning it up and the laundry. And obviously, as I'm listing all this off, obviously, I'm not thinking about getting my children to help out. I'm just trying to survive and get everything done. And I'm grumbling more and more inside of my head. And I think I'm even saying sassy things that luckily are going over everyone's heads. Except for it was affecting my heart. And what had happened? Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, I could testify that the Lord was my light. And I felt nourished and I felt strengthened. And I could tell that he was providing me the means that I needed in order to be able to accomplish what I needed to And at that time, one step at a time had been enough. And I was at peace with one step at a time. But when Wednesday came and I felt tired and stretched and therefore slightly unfortified, my thoughts began to wander away from the light capitalized. I questioned his peace and I relied on my own wisdom. I questioned his promise to nourish, strengthen, and lead me. And I became slothful in my faith. Oh, sure, I'm still reading my scriptures and I'm still saying my prayers. But I was tarrying. My course was no longer direct. And I was floundering a little bit because that fear had crept in. And that's all that it took. Now, am I going to beat myself up over this? No, I am not. I have and I will continue to apologize for my weakness because that's all it was. Weakness. And we know that God has given us weakness so that we will come unto him so that he can make weak things strong. And though I tarried and though I became slothful in faith for a period of time, am I stronger now because of it? Yes. Look at the perspective that he has given me. Look at just this little experience that he has shown me how easy it is to tarry and become slothful. Look at how I discovered my vulnerabilities And how I need the light to lead me. Look at how studying the scriptures daily and slowly this time and munching on them and thinking about them allowed a scripture to be in my mind. And I will also be your light in the wilderness and I will prepare the way before you. Went through my mind over and over again on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. The scripture gave me strength when I was on track 
and it gave me instruction when I got off on how to get back on. What a blessing and what a mercy from he who loves you and me. And speaking of you, he has also just recently given all of his daughters a light through the prophet of God. Aliyah Hona to lead us and guide us. The Lord through his servant spoke to us. It's as good as if the Lord stood at the pulpit on October 6th and spoke to us himself. The prophet gave us four challenges to read the Book of Mormon and complete it by the end of the year, marking each scripture that refers to our Savior, Jesus Christ. To take a 10-day social media fast, to increase our attendance in the temple, and to participate fully in Relief Society, reading the purpose statement and its declaration. And why do you think he would do this? Well, I can give you Carrie Hickenlooper's perspective. First, we aren't just to read the Book of Mormon, but we are to mark each reference to our Savior. And when you do this, you're going to see that you are learning everything that he is, everything he is capable of doing for his children. Every time he says, I will be there for you, I will strengthen you. Every blessing he promises and tells you he intends to keep because of your faithfulness. It will remind you how he is doing this all personally for you. Next, you're going to fast from social media, which has the tendency to colorfully show you everything you're not, tearing down your identity. All the influencers who have their act together and just want to teach you how to get your act together, or all the fashion that shows you all the fashion that you don't have, or all the vacations that you can't afford, or the comparison that we do in our minds about what our neighbors are doing and what we're not doing, and how we feel less than. Your Savior wants you to take that out for a little while. Clear the slate. Because then he wants you to go to the house of the Lord. And he wants to teach you what your true identity is. And where you fit in his plan. He wants to remind you of the power of the priesthood that your covenants bring you. And he wants to teach you that all in his house. And finally, the Lord wants to remind you that he has never been confused about your worth. He knows and has always known the role that his precious daughters will play in the kingdom of God. And it isn't just the leftovers that he's giving us. It's the world that has confused and disregarded the role of woman, not God. And as we read the Relief Society purpose and declaration, we will recognize that what he has asked us to do is holy. And what is reserved for our work is essential. We have a work to do, an important role to play. And the Lord desires to be our light and lead us and prepare us for what his work needs us to do. So let us follow the light and let us not shrink from it. Let us become the women we're intended to become. Sister Scriptorians, this week, if you haven't yet, commit to follow the light that President Nelson lit for you. Participate in a 10-day social media fast. Read the Book of Mormon between now and the end of the year, marking each scripture that refers to the Savior. Establish a pattern of regular temple attendance and participate fully in Relief Society, reading the purpose and declaration of this organization. Have a good day.